5: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
6: Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on v the sports betting network.
3: Welcome in. It is betting across America brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Brady Cannon, along with Wes Reynolds right here at the South Point at the tip of the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada, on this Saturday of a 4th of July weekend. Wes, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, uh, Brady. Are you that guy in your neighborhood that has been lighting fireworks off all week uh, prior to Monday's No, no, I'm
6: the one that's calling the police to get them to stop. I'm I'm an old I'm an old man now. Now now I'm get a off narc. my narc. I used to be the one getting narked on. Now I'm the one narking because uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And I mean, you you know, look if if you're home, you happen to be home on the July Fourth holiday. You just got to kind of grin and bear it. It's unfortunate that the weekend kind of leads into it. So the fireworks are going to be a three or four day extravaganza not just limited to one day.
3: I think it was two weeks ago in my neighborhood. I'd hear a random explosion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it'll probably yeah. increase now that uh, we're to Saturday yeah. and almost to Independence Day it, here. It,
6: it's it's kind of like the new, the new Year's Eve where you don't know if it's fireworks or you don't know if somebody's just firing the pistol in
7: the air <laughs> or something,
6: but you're hearing loud noise is it disturbs the dog so uh... Just kind of one of those days you got to grin and bear it, Brady on our National Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July weekend, by the way, to everybody out there.
3: Speaking of fireworks, a lot has been going on in the National Basketball Association. Just 17 days removed from the Warriors winning the championship. They've already lost three players to free agency. Juan Toscano-Anderson has signed with the Lakers. Gary Payton II has signed with the Portland Trailblazers. And Otto Porter Jr. is now a Toronto Raptor. And how about Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves trade West? To me, it was amazing what the Jazz got in return and certainly off to a good start for their plans on a rebuild.
6: Danny Ainge maneuvering through everybody like he did when he was at BYU. If you remember that (laughs) that NCAA tournament game against Notre Dame at the Omni in Atlanta where he goes coast to coast for the layup and look. That's what Danny Ainge did, and 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 really kind of one of the funny things, one of the stories of sports yesterday, and sports media commingled with this was uh one Brian Windhorst of ESPN oh, yeah. was on uh, uh, I believe the First Take program, and he was playing it like he was Keith Morrison of Dateline NBC, where he was <laughs> asking these questions like, why would the Jazz do that? Because they <laughs> traded Royce O'Neill to the Brooklyn Nets and got a first round pick. Royce O'Neal, three and D guy, he is a starter for the Utah Jazz, but. They traded him, so it's like, okay, why are they doing that? Because he's trying to get everybody, I think, to play along where it's like, okay, the Jazz are going to do what Danny Ainge did with the Boston Celtics. Remember when he traded Paul Pierce and he traded Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets? So you kind of knew something was happening because Quinn Snyder now out as coach. So you talk, I don't know, half rebuild, half retool, I think, Brady, because apparently it's coming out that they may not be trading Donovan Mitchell. We thought maybe they were going to trade both, but you knew one of the two was going to go in Utah. It was going to be Gobert or it was going to be Mitchell. Pretty steep price for the Minnesota Timberwolves, really? I think, to play, to really? play for Gobert. Four
3: first-round draft picks. Yes, trikes.
6: and 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 a couple of them I know are non-protected. But look, and they get a haul of players. Utah, they get Walker Kessler to the first rounder out yeah. of Auburn. They get uh, Patrick Beverly, I believe, Malik Beasley. I may be missing one or two others, but. Yeah, Utah, I think, is kind of trying to retool a little bit. And what you're seeing with a lot of these teams that are acquiring picks, we've seen it with the Knicks. We've seen it with the Thunder. We've seen it with the Spurs. We've seen it with the Indiana Pacers. We could get to that trade momentarily. These teams are stocking picks. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the Indiana Pacers, they're going to have three first-round picks. That Boston pick's is going to come deep, like right. probably 25 to 30 in the first round but then they're gonna have likely their own lottery pick and then a lottery protected pick. If Cleveland makes the playoffs, that's part of the Karis Levert deal from last year. So, you know, they're all trying to pile picks and, uh, you know, see if they can maneuver a little bit to get who I think is the top prize in next year's NBA draft, Victor Wambanyama, the 7-3 center out of France and probably the most consensus number one NBA draft pick barring injury, of course, since LeBron James. So you could see all the positioning right now. These teams are just stockpiling picks and certain teams that are right there, like the Boston Celtics, making a deal, getting Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers, not having to really give up a lot in terms of, you know, talent for return, just enough to make the money work. And Brogdon's a guy, if he's healthy, that makes that team that much better. And let's not uh, forget that Boston did go to the NBA Finals, So they are right there on the precipice of a championship.
3: Well, that's what I want to ask you about. Malcolm Brogdon going to the Boston Celtics. Now, you mentioned they didn't give up a ton of talent. They did give up five players. They mm-hmm. sent five players to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Brogdon. Do you like this move for the Celtics? Does that improve their team? And what about your Pacers? Do you like the move for Indiana?
6: I like it for both sides. I think in the short term, obviously, Boston looks like the winner of the deal to get Malcolm Brogdon. I think that they could use another ball handler. Another guy can shoot and generate some offense, but... Really, that's more of a primary point guard. I think he is more of a true point guard than Marcus Smart is, Agreed. even though Marcus yes. Smart has the ability to play that position. But it allows Smart to move off the ball and really concentrate on what Marcus Smart does best, which is being a great defender and being an irritant to the other team and let Malcolm Brogdon kind of run the show there. Uh, they didn't really give up a lot. They gave up Daniel Tice, who didn't really play a lot in the finals. They gave up Aaron Neesmith, who was uh, – Uh, By the way, out of Vanderbilt, he was lottery pick just two years ago. I think he was the 14th pick overall. Lost his three-point shot, lost his confidence at Indiana. Maybe that's going to give him the confidence to get it back because he's probably going to see more minutes for the Indiana Pacers. And and really, when you look at the Pacers, you know, it seems like, oh, they just gave him away. They were trying to trade him during the draft, I think for a back end of the first-round draft pick, you know, 13 or 14 in the lottery. Didn't get it done, but nevertheless, still got a first rounder. But the Pacers want to rebuild. They want to move on. They've got a core of a couple young players Tyrese Halliburton, who they got in that trade midseason with the Kings, that sent Sabonis out to Sacramento. They also have Chris Duarte, the first round pick that they had last year out of Oregon, Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky. So This is a Pacers team that finally has a chance to rebuild. They've never been able to rebuild. They've either been too good Mm -hmm. or they've been in the middle. Worst place to be in the NBA. They've been in like basketball purgatory where they're just at the back end of the lottery or they're like 15th or 16th. And that's not where you want to be. So the Pacers, for the first time in about 30 years, got a chance to rebuild and look, They want to position themselves maybe to get the big ticket out of France. And the draft next year, I think, is graded higher, at least in the short term, in terms of talent. And that's
3: saying something, because it was pretty darn deep this year.
6: Yeah, I thought so as well. So, you know, I think a good deal for both teams. In the short term, it's a good deal for the Celtics, because the Celtics are right there in the east. You know, who knows what's going to happen with Philadelphia now with Harden opting out. Obviously, Embiid is back. What's going to happen with Brooklyn now? Kyrie opts back in. Says he still wants a trade. KD wants a trade. And, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen with the Nets? And then there's the old Milwaukee Bucks kind of hanging around there. Uh, made some very shrewd re signings, uh, signing Joe Engel. So the Bucks are going to be right there as a contender. And then, kind of, the mover that maybe moves into that top four is the Atlanta Hawks get DeJounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs you put Murray with Trey Young that's all of a sudden a really dynamic backcourt there so Atlanta could be a team on the move up in the east
3: all right what about the New York Knicks it seems like they did a ton of maneuvering to grab former Dallas Mavericks guard Jalen Brunson reportedly a four-year deal worth hundred and four million dollars and this guy certainly, I believe, is a good player. But if you look at his career statistics, this past season was his best year where he averaged about 16 points and four assists. He's ever, uh, yet to ever make an all-star game. And it seems like the Knicks just went all in on this guy.
6: Yeah, and and look, Brunson's a very good player. Uh, but I don't know how much it's going to make them better in the short term because I'm trying to kind of figure out what the Knicks and Leon Rose and Will Wide west and everybody in that organization is trying to do because they've stockpiled a bunch of picks yeah so you know do they want to get in like do we get a redo I guess of 1985 Brady and that NBA lottery the uh the frozen envelope conspiracy if you will <laughs> when Patrick Ewing was the consensus number one pick I kind of made a joke yesterday I'm like we all know these teams are maneuvering then the Knicks are going to get the triple weighted ping pong ball <laughs> and they're going to end up getting the number one pick and getting the Frenchman uh the clear consensus number one pick for next year but Yeah, I'm trying to think of really what the Knicks are doing. I knew that they were gonna regress a little bit last year, but they regressed right out of the playoffs. So, you know, who knows who knows what they are trying to do. I mean, they got Brunson and Brunson had a very good playoff, so he cashed in, I I think on his deal. Dallas, uh Dallas, I think, might have been happy to let him go because Dallas is kind of a dark horse here in terms of, you know, can they be a player with one of these guys, one of these big free agents, you know, to piece with uh, Luka Doncic. And look, this team got to the West Finals we're kind of a sleeper to get there, and they did so with Luka. But who are they going to put with him? I think probably the money works a little bit more with Kyrie. If they put Kyrie with Luka Doncic rather than Kevin Durant, well, and do I they think,
3: have enough to get Durant? Yeah, you know? I, I, I don't think gonna that they do. Deal and deal. I, I agree with you. I uh, mean, you're. And, and, I think Luka and Durant would be phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what they would like, but
6: I just don't know if they have the resources to do that. And that's going to be the interesting thing to see over the next few weeks. Is you're going to have teams you're going to probably have to have at least a three-team trade Mm -hmm. to make this Durant deal work. So all of a sudden the Indiana Pacers, who we just mentioned a minute ago, they clear cap space. They have enough to get a max player, $31 million now under the cap. So does DeAndre Ayton from Phoenix, because it looks like he's kind of the odd man out out there. Do they do a sign and trade and get him and then perhaps get Kevin Durant over there with Devin Booker in Phoenix, who just signed the super max. So the the, the the dominoes are kind of falling here and then Miami is kind of on the periphery. Pat, Yeah, Riley don't near, count
3: them out. Yeah,
6: Pat Riley near the end of his road too would love to make another deal. He's done this big three deal before obviously with success with two championships with James with Dwayne Wade and Chris Boss. So don't underestimate Pat Riley in terms of making maneuvers, but it's going to be fascinating because we know we're going to be looking at these NBA futures markets every single day, and it's going to adjust on the basis of any news.
3: Well, you look at the futures market now, the odds makers aren't counting Pat Riley out either. The Heat at 9-1 to to win the championship next year. The Celtics have become the favorite, the Celtics and the Phoenix Suns, along the news that Kevin Durant maybe prefers to go to Phoenix. They're minus 200. They're the favorite to be the team that Kevin Durant ends up with both the Celtics and the Suns at plus 550 to win the title next year the Bucks at 6 to 1 the Warriors and the Clippers at plus 650 we'll talk some college football next right here on betting across America
7: This is Betting Across America on v the
6: Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into Betting Across America here on Visa and Wes Reynolds and Brady Cannon here on a uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon early on the East Coast. For those of you watching there, one quick update that we do want to get going on. We do have Wimbledon here. We're in the third round uh, trying to get to the round of 16. That'll start on Monday and the world number one in the women's draw, who has been really the dominant player, Iga Viatek. She is currently up 2-1 in the second, but did lose the first set to French woman Elise Cornette. So, Iga Fiatek, by the way, has won 37 matches in a row this year, including uh, winning the French Open. Uh, as, as She's kind of going to be the Nadal, I think, of the French Open when you look going forward. Uh, did lose in the semis of the Australian Open, but... Ever since that uh, loss to Ostapenko in Dubai, it's been all winning for Iga Sviatek. She is the favorite, I believe now, plus 150 at BetMGM. She was probably, I think, about 3 or $4 in terms of the start of the tournament. But uh, Sviatek getting all she wants from the Frenchwoman Cornet.
3: Yeah, absolutely. A heavy favorite. I think you're right. I think it was 3-1 to one prior to Wimbledon beginning. And like you say, now the adjusted number, plus 150 at BetMGM for Sviatek to go ahead and win this. But again, down one set early and up two games to one in the second set in her match today. I mentioned, West. we want to talk a little college football. Really, college sports in general kind of turned on their ear earlier this week when USC and UCLA migrated to the Big Ten. I'm a Pac-12 guy. You're a Big Ten guy. What was your initial reaction to a move that really – It seemed to come out of nowhere, and it Mm. was finalized in a matter of hours. Yeah,
6: it came out of nowhere, but yet it wasn't totally shocking. Just the nature of college sports now today, Brady. And somebody asked me about it in the immediate aftermath, and I'm like, you know, I like it, but I don't like it because I'm more of a traditionalist. I want the Big Ten to be ten teams, but that's never going to happen again. And, well, that's and the just, Rose
3: bowl too. Yeah, right? exactly. You
6: know, that puts that in a little bit of peril because that is of course the long tradition, unless it's in the playoff, that's always the big 10 champion and the back 12 champion. It's been my dream as an alma mater of Indiana university to go to the Rose bowl and see how you play. It's been nothing but a dream considering they haven't been able to do that since 1968, but at least they get to play there now, but it's probably going to be in October playing a regular season game against UCLA. But Anyway, uh, uh, back to the deal here. I think USC and UCLA, maybe not from a geographic standpoint, but from an everything else standpoint, absolutely makes sense for the Big Ten to add. Because, number one, They fit, I think, the academic profile of the conference in terms of what they want, either a a, a private institution or a major land grant research university by the state, which UCLA clearly is, much like a lot of the other schools are. So you're adding that. You're also adding the two major universities in the number two media market in the country, that being Los Angeles. So that makes a lot of sense to add USC and UCLA. And what I was comparing it to, somebody was asking me about it yesterday. Because they're like, is this good for Indiana? Is this good for Purdue? Is this good, you know, for the second level teams in terms of football revenue, which like Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Maryland, those teams are. And I said, yeah, it's absolutely good. Yeah, you gotta split the pie two more ways, but it's like, you know, around Thanksgiving when you gotta go pick up that pumpkin pie. When you go to like the traditional grocery store, it's only like an eight or a 10-inch pumpkin pie. But when you go to like Costco, they have the big 24 to 30 <laughs> inch pumpkin pie. And that's what this basically is for the back door the uh, big 10 now, because adding USC and UCLA adds more value to your television deal, which by the way, has not been signed yet. And this was very astute and very smart. And I listened to your show uh, with Matt Humans on the edge yesterday, and you had Timmy B, Tim yes. Brando on from Fox Sports. He and offered some great insight. He mentioned the name Jim Delaney. Yes. And Jim Delaney, by the way, the former Big Ten commissioner, He intentionally signed a shorter TV deal with Fox and ESPN, ABC, and all the television partners because he wanted to be the first to market. Because now you not only have those networks at play and others as well, you also have Apple TV at play for the streaming revenue. And we know for streaming content, these companies, Netflix, Apple TV, Hulu, they're paying buku bucks here to get involved in this game. So. The television deal now with USC and UCLA is obviously much more valuable having the number two market in the country. We know Fox owns over 60% of the Big Ten Network, so – I think financially it's good, especially for USC and UCLA, because they're going to get more of a share when you're making 30, 35 million from the Pac-10 and you see it like a Northwestern making about 80 million. It's like, why aren't we making that? So, you know, it was a no brainer, I think, for them to jump. We'll see, you know, where the expansion goes next. I don't think that they're done expanding. And the bell of the ball right now uh, in terms of a lot of conferences that would like to have them is Notre Dame.
3: Absolutely. And Notre Dame may be the next member of the Big Ten. Uh, You talk about the number two media market in the country, and that's such a huge, powerful tool for USC and UCLA. And I look up and down the rest of the Pac-12. You would seemingly think the next two teams to move maybe to the Big Ten as well would be Oregon and Washington, But Cal and Stanford are very interesting. You talk about academic institutions, a couple of the best in the country. And a big part of their revenue, their support, the hype that they got, when those L.A. schools would come to Berkeley or come to Palo Alto, that was a huge part of their season. Now, obviously, that is not going to happen anymore not that they're necessarily going to go to the Big Ten West, but you gotta believe they are looking elsewhere, possibly the Big Twelve. The mm-hmm. Arizona schools, ASU and Arizona, Absolutely. those are big schools and powerful schools. Colorado and Utah, and this is something that Tim Brando brought up as well, they seem perfectly geologically aligned to go to the Big Twelve. So mm-hmm. all these other schools, I mean the Pac-12 may be decimated here pretty soon.
6: Yeah, exactly. And and also you gotta look at now that the Big Ten has made this move because Kevin Warren, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, relatively new. has been on the job a couple of years since Jim Delaney retired. Kevin Warren got a lot of heat, including from people like me. It's like, hey, dude, up in Chicago, wake up a little bit when this Oklahoma-Texas thing was happening. And they moved to the SEC. Well, he clearly did with UCLA and USC being added. But now you got to look at the SEC.
3: Yeah, what they are ain't they ain't to
6: do? What are they going to do here? Because there's a few institutions out there that they might like to take a leap at. And I'm thinking, of course, of the U, Miami, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Florida State. Clemson and look the Big Ten might be looking at Clemson and Miami too I don't know Florida State if they feel like that fits the academic profile but Miami certainly does and maybe a little bit Clemson so the SEC isn't done yet in terms of in terms of adding now one of the things I'm hearing too from people is like okay are they gonna like subtract too I'm like they're not subtracting so people thinking oh the SEC is gonna kick Vanderbilt out They're not going to kick Vanderbilt out. The Big Ten's not going to kick out Indiana and Purdue. They were charter members of the conference. You know, this is about adding and not subtracting. And what I think you're going to see, you're eventually going to see at least three conferences, I think, with 20 teams. You're going to see the Big Ten probably get to 20. You're going to see the SEC. What happens with the ACC, I don't know. North Carolina is an attractive ad for a certain conference. So, I don't know really what's going to happen with the ACC. I think, uh, you know, the ACC would like to get Notre Dame now and really strengthen its position. But if you're Jack Swarbrick, the AD up there at Notre Dame, and everybody in the Brain Trust up there in South Bend, do you really want to jump to the ACC knowing, hey, maybe Miami's going to leave? or Clemson's going to leave, or somebody else is going to leave. Absolutely not. The ACC needs Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't need the ACC. I personally think the Big Ten's probably the best fit for Notre Dame. But all of these conferences, and, and I think you bring up one, too, the Big 12, they're not done. No. They're they're gonna try to figure something they're out. In, I
3: think they're in a good position. Much yeah. better spot well, than the Pac-12. Well, and they did look, they do add BYU, mm-hmm. who's very powerful. Cincinnati.
6: They had Cincinnati, they had Houston, they had Central Florida. So there's a possibility maybe, you know, in Arizona and Arizona State. That'd right. be a hell a- of a
3: Colorado and Utah. Yeah. That'd be exactly. a heck of a conference.
6: Exactly. You know, and then we'll see where Washington and Oregon lands. I feel like somebody's gonna land. From the Pac-12, you know, maybe from the Pac-12, even though the Big Ten kind of put a kibosh on it. But I got a feeling somebody else from the Pac-12 is going to land there. We haven't even mentioned Stanford and Cal. Stanford, by the way, the winningest athletic program in the history of the NCAA. I think it's one, two, three. I think it's Stanford, then UCLA and USC. So, going back to the initial thing about the Big Ten adding UCLA and USC – Those are two of the great college sports programs overall and that includes obviously your non-revenue sports and whatnot so you know they call the pac-12 the conference of champions for a reason because i think the top three or four universities are or slash were in that conference because this is going to start in 2024.
3: You talk about the non-revenue sports, the smaller sports, women's softball, baseball, water polo, volleyball, that type of thing. That's who really gets hurt mm-hmm. here. And you know, you talk about those teams from UCLA and USC having to travel midweek to Rutgers or whatever. Right. You, it seems the term student athlete, I know, student I know. is not really a big part of that, that equation.
6: That, that's where that BTN money though does come in because you are. Getting more money for that travel and then being land grant research universities. So the money is there. Is it fair for the students? You know, it's like because you can't charter everywhere. you know with these non-revenue sports so it's going to be interesting how they work the schedule dynamic they'll probably do similar to what the Pac-12 where it's like okay if you're a big 10 team that has to travel west you got to play the SoCal schools back to back
3: your father's college football or your college your father's college conference where they're not going back they are no (laughs) they are long we're not going back
6: to the halcyon days I mean I wish we would we all get nostalgic but This is the way of the world, and we're going to have to get used to it.
3: Well, we'll get uh, Will Hill's opinion next up. Will Hill will join us for some thoughts on all the activity in the NBA and also the college sports landscape when we return, right here on Betting Across America on the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betting Across America on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: The VEASAN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily baseball best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bet email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost, again, is only $19 to be a subscriber all the way through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash summer. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you here on a Saturday morning, live at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa at the tip of the strip. And uh, Iga Tech, you mentioned, in a little bit of trouble there. We updated yeah. the... Uh Score at the top of the last segment but uh, further developments here at Wimbledon
6: another break for Elise Cornet here and Iga Swiatek not only in trouble but in big trouble Cornet is going to have an opportunity to serve out the match Iga Swiatek by the way the French Open champion number 1 in the world the number 1 overall seed here in Wimbledon and I believe uh, I think she closed about minus 550 pretty much across the board so Cornet was close to about a $4 or $4 underdog and looks like she may be advancing here. Sviatek going to have to come up with something fast because she is one game away from being bounced out of Wimbledon. so, Those matches still go on. We still have two men's matches after the conclusion of this match that are going to start Rafael Nadal against Lorenzo Sinego and then uh, the Mercurial Nick Kyrgios against Stefano (laughs) Sitsipas today. Pretty much the match of the day, and I actually do like uh, Kyrgios a little bit in that match, minus $1.30. So uh, we shall see how that goes. Certainly should be the headliner today at Wimbledon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Kyrgios and Sitsipas. Good uh, matchup there. Uh, good match here on Betting Across America as Will Hill now joins us, a regular on the network. And, of course, you can catch his New York City cast at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow our man on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Happy Fourth of July weekend to you, Will. Uh, and what a week it's been. We we have college football to discuss. We'll get to that in the next segment. But I first want to start with the NBA Rudy Gobert, Kyrie, Malcolm Brogdon, KD, uh, the Warriors lose three players almost immediately off of their championship roster. What are some of your takeaways? And also, have you found, you know, I, I know the dust hasn't even settled yet, but have you found any betting opportunities with all of this action going on in the NBA here this week?
7: Yeah, and it's uh, it's been a, an exciting week, and good thing our boy Gil Alexander is off on Saturdays because Ega, that's his girl, so he's going to be devastated that she <laughs> lost, so... uh Boy, I'm sure he's sitting in the room for a comeback. Yeah, it's been a, a fascinating week. Monday when Kyrie said he's going to opt in with that that weird quote, that weird tweet. Looked like the dust was going to settle. He would be back in Brooklyn. Durant would be back. Now we're not so sure. I'm sure we can get to that. Uh, just a couple of the teams that I think have had good offseason so far, though, and under the radar is uh, one is Philly. I think to get P.J. Tucker, to get Melton, um, also to get uh, Daniel House, you got three guys who can defend, shoot. Rebound. Uh, they really lacked two way players around Embiid and, and what's left of Harden. You know, last postseason, uh, their shooters couldn't play defense, their defenders couldn't shoot. When you look at guys like Dival. now they got some two way guys. I think uh, they are clearly a top three or four team in the East. I think they've had a very underrated uh, sort of summer here. And uh, the case for them, too, is you know what? Harden, he's been dealing with a hamstring, he had to go to the bubble, all this compressed basketball. Maybe now that he can get some time off that hamstrings better, he's never going to be peak hard and top three, top five player in the league. I think that those days are gone, but if he can flirt with like, you know, a second or third team, all NBA guy and be an all-star around the rest of the roster. Uh, I think they did well. Uh, I think the Lakers, if they get Kyrie Irving, now they're not a favorite. They shouldn't be a favorite. Um, I don't know that their ceiling is a, is actually a championship, but at 15 to one, 18 to one. And again, with these futures, uh, there's a lot of variants out there. So shop for the best number. Uh, If you can add Kyrie Irving, like I'm not a fan of him. Nobody is. He's a hard guy to root for. But if he's your third best player and the same thing with the compressed, compressed basketball, the Lakers, you know, won the title in October 2020, had no offseason, started out 24 and six. And since then, everyone's gotten hurt. They let Caruso go. They really, you know, uh, messed up their roster with the Westbrook trade. But now they can rest. They can regroup. I'm sure they'll be motivated. LeBron'll hear all summer that he's done. Anthony Davis that he's soft that they're not any good anymore. If you get those guys rested, motivated, uh, and then add Kyrie Irving as your third best player in a league that's wide open, there's no more super teams. That's a team that could at least be contender. So I thought those two teams uh, had pretty good off seasons. I don't understand Minnesota giving up all that for Gobert. Now you have Gobert, Towns. You're really lacking foot speed there. That was a strange trade. That was a lot to give up. So. Uh, those are sort of my takeaways, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on Durant here in a minute.
6: Quick update here from the All England Club here at Wimbledon. Uh, number one seed, Igas Viatek now officially out. Thirty-three unforced wow. errors in this match, only seven for Elise Cornet. Biggest win for her in a long time. So Cornet knocks out Igis Viatek, the number one seed who had won 37 matches in a row. All of a sudden, that top end of the draw in Wimbledon and really the entire draw of Sviatek out is very wide open. Corneille will take on the Aussie Tom Tomjanovic here in the round of 16. So... You know, Bedosa and Kavitova still in there. Simona Halep has advanced. Uh, my pick, Jabour still in there as the number three seed. So a wide-open women's draw now in Wimbledon. Will, one more on the NBA, and I want to ask you about a team that's kind of been sneaky under the radar in terms of some deals that they have made, and that are the Atlanta Hawks uh, getting the G- G- Murray from the San Antonio Spurs, teaming him with Trey Young. That's a pretty darn dynamic backcourt they have down there in Atlanta maybe could use a little bit more in terms of the inside here. I know Kevin Herter about to be, tra- about to go to uh, Sacramento, but what do you make of the Atlanta Hawks? Do you think that trade does enough for
7: them to get them in the top four in the East? Probably not. And I just, I don't like giving up all these assets to me, boy, that's a hell of a lot to give up for Murray. I know he's a good player, but the Spurs are a Spartan organization. And I just think, you know, they're probably looking at, at tanking. I know Weber Yama, all the, is the guy, all these teams are looking at. And you know what, if you're not going to be a contender, might as well be picking in the top three, the top five, or give yourself a chance here, at least uh, a shot to get the guy. I know that the odds for the lottery have reshuffled. I just don't think, you know, the worst thing to be is in the middle in the NBA, not the Hawks are in the middle. They're a good team. They're a playoff team. They regressed certainly from their conference finals run two years ago. I just don't know with, with young Murray, is that enough to even get to a conference finals? Maybe you can get to the playoffs and win a round. But to me, you're just kind of putting yourself in that no-man's land where you're like a 5, a 6 seed, a good year, maybe a 4 seed. But I don't take them as a serious contender here.
3: All right, Will, you mentioned Kevin Durant. Of course, Kyrie opts in to his deal with the Brooklyn Nets. And then immediately, about 24 hours later, Kevin Durant says... He wants to be traded. Now, he doesn't have much leverage here as he is still under contract, and this is really up to the Nets, what they want to do. Uh, He mentioned the Phoenix Suns. He mentioned the Miami Heat. Phoenix is the favorite to land Kevin Durant at about minus 200. What is your takeaway or your initial reaction on this situation, and where do you think Kevin Durant ends up?
7: I think he ends up with the Brooklyn Nets. I kind um, of agree with you, it's, buddy. It's I, a lot I, to go through. I, I would say he has leverage because he can kill a deal. If Let's say you work out a deal with the Raptors and the Nets agree to it. The Raptors agree to it. Durant can get word. Hey, I don't want to go to the Raptors. And if you're the Raptors, are you going to mortgage your future trade? Scotty Barnes and a bunch of picks for a guy that doesn't want to be there. Uh, I don't think so. So I know he's got four years left on the deal and a no trade, but you really have to satisfy three parties here, which makes it difficult. The Nets, the team they're trading with their trade partner and Durant. I just don't know. Let's put it this way. He, he says he wants to go to the Heat, but he, he wants Bam out of Bayou, Butler, and Lowry to be on the team, so he doesn't want him to give up any players. So I don't know how you make a deal work. If you trade him for a bunch of players, well, that neuters the team. He's not going to want that. If you trade him, let's just say to the Knicks for a bunch of picks, just picking a random team. Well, all of a sudden, those picks aren't very valuable because Durant's on the team. So that doesn't work for the Nets. And you add the layer here where the Nets don't have their own picks. So you can't just build around a normal young package you need and tank for a few years because you don't have any picks to tank with. So you need young players to build around. I think you you ideally, if you're going to trade him, I think the one team that makes sense, maybe there's a couple teams the Pelicans, just because they have other teams picks, they have the Lakers picks. So maybe Ingram Herb Jones and a whole bunch of the Lakers and Pelicans picks. Maybe that makes some sense. Maybe the Raptors. If you're looking at a real long shot here and you just want to throw, you know, 20 bucks on something, the Raptors are like 70 to one to win it all 60 to one. Could you trade Scottie Barnes and a bunch of uh, picks for Durant and have Durant being a scenario like Kawhi was for a couple year uh, a couple years ago where he comes into a team. That's a good organization, a good roster, good coach, and he wins there or competes there. That's not impossible. But I just think it's a lot of parties to satisfy. I don't need, know that a deal makes sense here. I really don't buy this idea that he's going to go for the biggest trade haul ever just because, you know, Anthony Davis was younger. Paul George was younger, and he came with with, with Kawhi. That was part of the deal too, so it was kind of like a two-for-one there. Ultimately, if, if you're asking right now, and again, this Durant with Kyrie, this thing can change any minute. I'll, I'll, I'll take a chance and say he stays with the Nets and they don't work out a deal.
3: Yeah, I think that's a, a good take there uh, Will because Matt Humans and I were talking about it yesterday we equated it a little bit to the Aaron Rodgers offseason last year in the NFL. Uh, all these rumors that he was going to go to Denver and a number of other places. And what happens? You know, the Packers have control. He's under contract, and he ends up a Green Bay Packer. The Nets, for Kevin Durant to stay with the Nets, was 7-1, to I believe, at BetMGM. And I thought that was a pretty good bet to make. The Phoenix Suns were like minus 200, a heavy favorite there. But uh, I'm kind of with you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side. Michael Lombardi. In the last program with Dave Ross throughout the Toronto Raptors as maybe a sleeper in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. We'll get to the college football landscape and Will's baseball plays as well for your Saturday right here on Betting Across America. Get in the octagon with BetMGM and you can win $200 for a $10 wager on the main event showdown in Las Vegas tonight. Just use the bonus code vsin 200 And if the champ lands a punch in the fight, you'll receive $200 back in free bets. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com and then use the promo code vsin 200 to bet $10 on the mega fight everyone's been waiting for. If the champ lands a punch in the fight, you'll claim a $200 payday. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable free bets or a site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The promotional offer is not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back here on Betting Across America, we continue our conversation with Will Hill. You can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill and also check out his New York City cast that comes out at vcin.com slash podcast. Also, wherever you get your podcast, you can find that one. Will, of course, we were talking NBA. I want to get your baseball plays as well, but I also want to hear your opinion on the really seismic impact that the college sports world received earlier this week when USC and UCLA migrated for the Big Ten Conference. I think it could mean the end of the Pac-12 if you have teams like Oregon and uh, Washington and Stanford and Cal, ASU, Colorado, Utah, you name it. uh, You would think all these teams have been put on alert to go find a new home uh, as the Big Ten and the SEC and and who knows, maybe the Big 12. Maybe we'll end up with three 20-team conferences here pretty soon. What were your thoughts on uh, this move that seemed kind of a little bit out of nowhere and so sudden earlier this week?
7: Well, when you think of the the great big 10 rivals, you think Michigan, Ohio state, you think of USC versus Rutgers. I mean, uh, it's just, it's gotten to the point now where we don't even recognize the sport anymore. I mean, I'm glad these kids are being compensated in terms of giving them something, but the NIL is a whole nother thing where these, I mean, these schools are basically buying these players. Let's call it what it is. Uh, And and it's a sport based on tradition, whether it's the marching bands, the stadiums, these teams play the same stadiums they did 100 years ago, the rivalries, it's geographically based and all that stuff is just kind of out the window now. It's really uh, I think we're going towards, like you said, where we're looking at two or three major conferences. Uh, It's a shame. It's a shame. I think it it takes away the enjoyment of it. it. It takes away the tradition of it, the history of it. Look, I mean, we we're sitting here a few years ago with no sports to bet on for 3 or 4 months. So, as long as these games we have something to watch and something to bet on, it's not the worst thing, but it it is kind of a shame what's happening to college football and I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way.
6: Yeah, I do personally, Will, but look, Genie's got Genie's out of the bottle, man. I wish we were going back to the old days where the Big 10 actually had 10 teams and you know, played around Robin and basketball, but I mean, it, these, these conferences basically, and Brady and I were talking about it earlier, they're basically television conferences now where it's like, is the Big Ten now the Fox conference? Is the SEC now the ESPN conference? And who's going to be the CBS conference? And that's what it is right now. These are just like, these conferences are just like television programs now. On a, on a TV schedule and that the trend is going to continue in the TV money and the streaming money to boot Apple TV looking to get back involved with the Big Ten. That's gonna keep going up. Uh, we'll wanna get to your baseball here but I do wanna update a couple scores. We did have a couple double dips on the card this morning and a couple very early starts. Noon starts nine o'clock here on the West Coast. We've got the Rays and the Blue Jays. That is McClanahan against Kevin Gaussman. One-nothing here, top of the third. Blue Jays with the lead over the Rays. They're gonna have two today. As are the Yankees and the Guardians. Two to nothing Guardians here in the top of the third. It is Garrett Cole against McCarty. So far so good for McCarty. Two to nothing for the Guardians. They get both of them in the second home runs from Naylor and also from Reyes. So uh, Yankees down early, 56-21, and though, going into today. Will, let's look at today's card uh, in terms of what you have. And I think uh, you're going to ride the Atlanta Braves, who all of a sudden have gotten very hot, and they're beating up on a patsy right now. And that would be my Cincinnati Reds. It is Spencer Strider, a Rookie of the Year candidate, against
7: Tyler Molly today. Yeah, I love Strider. He's got some of the best stuff in baseball, and I, I had never heard of him coming into the year. I mean, you think of the Braves pitching staff with Morton, Freed, Ian Anderson's actually had a bad year. Strider just came out of nowhere, and like you said, rookie of the year candidate. Uh, you can get him. If you want to bet the Braves here and just sort of isolate your play to the first five innings, lay a half a run and stay in, instead of laying o- over $2, right around $2, uh, Lay lay a half a run in the first five. And it's about an even money proposition. I guess the Reds have taken some money because I'm seeing 170 now. But uh, Braves first five, lay a half a run uh, going against Molly is one of my plays today.
3: Uh, Yeah, the Braves have absolutely been red hot. I believe they are the hottest team in baseball. I think it's 21 and six now, maybe 22 and six. If you go back to June 1st for the Atlanta Braves, they've made up seven games in the NL East on the New York Mets, who still lead that division by three and a half games. Uh, Will, you're also taking a look at uh, the Orioles and the Twins. That one will go to first pitch at 1110 Pacific time, 210 p.m. Eastern. Jordan Lyles versus Sonny Gray. And Sonny Gray and the Twins are a pretty heavy favorite here. Minus 240 on the money line with a total of nine.
7: Yeah, I'm going to grab the the, uh, the run and a half here with Baltimore. I, I've been following Baltimore because I've made a pretty sizable wager on their season win total under like I have the past few years. Well, the past few years I've won it. This year I'm not winning it. This team's actually pretty much pretty improved. Uh, I'm sure they'll sell off some pieces here at the deadline. Maybe that gives me a chance here. I remember in August last year they basically went the whole month without winning the game. But, yeah, this team continues to, to me to be undervalued in the market. Uh, they led 2-1 going into the ninth last night, and the Twins, who had been walked off, all week blown big leads. They reverse fortunes. And I think it was Buxton hit a two-run walk-off homer uh, to take it from a two-month deficit to a three-two win. But yeah, I'm going to grab the run and a half here with Lyles. Like I said, I just think the Orioles uh, continue to be undervalued, underrated, and probably a couple years from now, it's a tough division to get good in the American League East, but they're on their way. I, I guess when you stink for three or four straight years, you-, you pile up some pretty good players. They are on their way to having a, a pretty good team here in the near future. And a really quick update, by the way, with
3: Tampa
6: Bay, as we now see a home run from Uh, Paredes, it is Lawrence that is in the game now because Kevin Gaussman actually at the end of the last inning took a comebacker off the ankle Mm. and left the game. So now it is Lawrence on in relief for the Blue Jays. Gets the first two outs, but Paredes gets a home run, ties it up for Tampa Bay. One to one here in the top of the third. I personally have under seven and a half for this game. So uh, not happy to see Gaussman go, but obviously... There's maybe an opportunity here if you want to go in-game on the over. I think it was just six-and-a-half to start. The inning now has clearly risen going forward but will another play on the baseball card for you and you're going to elect to play it a little bit of a different way and i think this is often an underused bet in baseball because everybody looks at side and totals now people are betting the yes no run in the first inning and whatnot and you're going to go with the good old-fashioned team total here in coors field it is dallas keichel now with the arizona diamondbacks against austin gomber Rockies, about $1.40, $1.45 favorite, but you're going to go ahead and just go with the team
7: total and pick on Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, the Dallas Keuchel experience has not gone well anywhere this year for whatever <laughs> team he's pitched for. Whether it's the White Sox, the Diamondbacks, his first start last week against the Tigers, he got roughed up, four innings, three runs, a bunch of hits. Uh, I don't expect the Dallas Keuchel experience to go well in course Field of all places tonight. So I played over six and a half team total for the Rockies. If you want to really isolate further, you can do first half. Maybe you can do runs, hits, errors over for the whole game. But uh, Keuchel was once a very good pitcher. Helped the Astros win a World Series. He's in the bottom of the league of pretty much every advanced category, including fastball velocity, where he's throwing, you know, 84, 85 mile an hour fastballs. He just doesn't have the stuff anymore. I mean, he's got the wherewithal and these teams are desperate for pitching. A left handed pitcher stays around longer than a right handed pitcher. I understand that. But uh, he is really uh, just seems to be out of gas here And any way you can fade him, I think is uh, is a pretty good bet here. So I took the Rockies team total over.
3: The in-game number, by the way, on the Rays and the Jays, back to where we started, that total is at 7.5 right now. And the Yankees got on the board. It is now 2-1 to in favor of the Guardians and Aaron Judge currently at the plate, your in-game total there. Is nine. All right. The burning question, Will, of course, for the weekend, you gave out some baseball plays, your thoughts on the NBA, some possible future plays to look at there. But we all want to know are you going under or over hot dogs eaten by Joey Chestnut, my friend?
7: I'm going to go with the under. I just think people, it's the same psychology as these other sports. People want to root for the over, people want to root for the accomplishment. Um, I think that number is a little inflated because of that. So I will go with the under. And I saw one of my buddies is betting the under of the female contest too. I don't have her name in front of me, but uh, I'm I'm gonna sit there and root for root for the hot dogs to to be uneaten. All
3: right, very good. Uh, <laughs> do you have a play in the the hot dog eating contest, Wes? I
7: I do not. I would
6: lean to Come the on. under here, but uh, I have not yet bet uh, the uh, famous eating competition there at the pier, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest that is going to go on July fourth on Monday, but. I know everybody wants to bet the over. I would lean the the under on Joey Chestnut, even though I have seen Joey Chestnut in person in an eating contest. This was in Indianapolis, Indiana at St. Elmo Steakhouse during the Big Ten Championship. Wow. Ate all that shrimp cocktail. Plus wow. that cocktail sauce.
7: Who's the other guy that used to do the contest? Was it Kobe? I can't Kobayashi.
6: remember the name. The... Yeah, it was Kobe.
7: Okay. What happened to him?
3: Nothing sharper than being a contrarian in the hot dog eating market. Joey Chester
6: ran Kobayashi out of the eating competitions, I guess. Yeah.
3: Will, have a great holiday weekend, my friend. Thank you, as always. All right. Thanks
0: for having me, guys. You too.
3: All right. Wes and I are back with more Betting Across America in just a moment. Stick around.
1: slash iHeart.